This is Cindy, my good friend and mentor, graduated with honors from the University of Connecticut at Storrs, receiving a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree with a major in acting, directing, and playwriting. Cindy is a multi-year recipient of Long Island's Best Psychic. She is the author of multiple books which focus on life, love, and relationships. Cindy has been seen on television and is the regular host of her own radio show on Blog Talk Radio. This is Dr. Gary. He has been in the education field for over 20 years and earned his doctorate from St. John's University. He has spent most of his life motivating students of all ages and achieved mastery as an amazing instructional leader. Dr. Gary has been a personal trainer, teacher, professor, coach, DJ, and a professional wrestler, but he's also a psychic. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Gary, along with Cindy Sansombre for Soul Matters Podcast, session number 14, part two. It's been months and months and months, Cindy, and I'm so glad to be back here with you. I hope all is well. Yes, everything is great. And as we've both been discussing, it wasn't that we didn't want to do a podcast. Life got in the way and got quite busy. So we're back and ready to roll with this one. That's right. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite uh it's been quite the ride for the past couple of months. And, uh, you know, as a, as a teacher, June shouldn't, you know, by all stretches of the imagination, should never be a busy month, but it always happens to be a busy month. So it's, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to do the best that we can, and we look forward to doing these for everybody. So, you know, and here we are. So, you know, back in November, we had published an episode, uh, our episode number, session number 13, which was speaking about the first half of your book, part one. And we went through a lot of different aspects of it. And a lot of that first part of that, that book that we discussed was getting to know you as a person, because there's a lot of things that people don't really know about you. And, and me having the privilege of being a close friend of yours, I, I know a lot of that stuff. So as discussed in the last session, you know, I was, I was so happy to see that you were able to talk about that because I know it can be somewhat exposing, especially when you're talking about things personal to yourself. So it was really, it was nice to see that in writing and for everybody, our listeners, as well as the people that have purchased the book and read the book, uh, were able to see and read. So that was really exciting for us. Uh, so now going into the second part, you know, we're, we're going to kind of start off with something very similar to what we've had discussed over our past 13 episodes, which was the misconceptions about being a psychic or an intuitive. And I think that one of the things that you mentioned in this book is that that's one of the hardest parts uh, is dealing with those misconceptions about psychics and being an intuitive. And, you know, I'd like to know and, and to kind of jumpstart this, you know, what are some of the misconceptions and how do people perceive somebody who, you know, is an intuitive or a psychic? Because I know that the word psychic has some, you know, very bizarre connotations to it. You know, some people associate it, you know, akin to the devil, you know, in some, you know, religions or even some parts of the world. So how do you deal with that? How do you, how do you allow people to wrap their head around it and what you do? It's funny because I've never been comfortable with the word psychic. I would prefer the word mystic, intuitive, something else. Um, mostly, you know, it's that people come with so many preconceived notions as to what a psychic is. They already have an opinion without meeting you. They either want to talk to you nonstop about it and, you know, you want, want to immediately to read them and talk to their dead people, or they just, you know, think you're a crook or, you know, a charlatan or, you know, something that no one believes in anymore. Certain people just think, oh, this is something from the past. People don't believe in this stuff anymore. So you're dealing with the fact that people come to you or talk to you with already a preconceived notion and they don't give you a moment to explain who you are. Um, even when they come for reading, like just, you know, interesting enough, while we were waiting to reboot because we were having a little technical difficulty, which is not unusual when you have two psychic people doing <laughs> electronics, someone sent me an, an email saying, you know, I'd like you to do a reading for me, but I, I don't want you to use the tarot cards. Now, that is so ironic because the whole first part of my book is like my deal with the universe was if you want me to do this, I have to have a divining tool that it's open when those cards are there 
it's closed when I'm not having the cards. So of course I answered it by saying, no, I always have to use tarot as a divining tool. I'm not the right reader for you. Good luck finding one who goes a, a little more along with the way you want to be read. I'm no longer trying to get people who have misconceptions. I don't want that person obviously thinks the tarot are probably the devil or has some misconception, but I, I'm, I don't want to educate someone about it. So it's dealing with people's preconceived message. What is it? What is a tarot deck? What is it? Some people just think the tarot itself is the devil's work. Sure. Do you know what I mean? So they'll want you to do a reading, but don't do the cards. And I'll tell you, when you say that to me, you throw my reading off. Because right. all of a sudden, I'm trying to work without a tool that I'm used to using. You're, it's like telling a doctor, don't use a laser, use a knife. Because, you know, I'm more comfortable with you knifing me than lasering me. So it's dealing with people coming to us and maybe thinking we also know everything. I mean, just because you put money down on, you know, to, to get a reading doesn't mean I'm going to have every answer. Sometimes you have to go through things. And we were talking a little bit, and, and I won't mention what, about yourself. I saw an outcome that I was not supposed to tell you what the outcome was. I was supposed to, you know, have you do what you needed to do so you could learn your lessons. Right. Okay, if I'm going to tell you, if I told you the outcome already, that probably would have altered something in you. Sure. You wouldn't no, have definitely. given it your all. Okay? Agreed. And it could have made a self-fulfilling prophecy. So even if you're asking me an outcome and I may see it, I'm if I'm told not tell don't tell the person. Right. Okay? It's almost like because the have, yeah, it's almost like the butterfly effect. Like if I if you don't put forth the effort and no matter what you're doing, regardless of what you think the outcome may be, it may alter what the future is. Exactly. So people think that we're either God. I believe in God doesn't know everything that's going to happen because of free will. You know, no one knows people's free will actions that they may decide to do. So they want us to know everything. It's the asking us to play a guessing game. And people deliberately try to confuse a psychic. That's a misconception. Don't take your wedding ring off. And if you know you're married, what good is it if I'm going to tell you that? So it's deliberately trying to trick a psychic is wasting your money. Don't even bother going. Right. It's like they're trying to put you through a test, you know, to see if you, you know, you're the quote real deal. Um, you know, it's, it's very, it's very, um, a lot of those misconceptions too, you know, especially people that are not familiar or even not comfortable, they re they're associated very much with like, you know, carny, like a carny right. folk, uh, you know, being a professional wrestler, a former professional wrestler myself, like that was very carny. So you're seeing professional right. wrestlers and you're seeing psychics at these, uh, at these festivals, these carnivals, you know, back hundreds of years ago. And, you know, you're, you're, that's what people associate it with it, that it's, it's, it's a ruse, which, you know, obviously pro wrestling, we know the outcomes are fixed and, you know, there's a certain level of, um, entertainment that's involved in it. So there's, you know, there's that association. So I think that also is part of the misconception as well. And remember, the smarter the psychic, the better reading you're going to get. So, um, you know, if they use our knowledge, they use my knowledge of psychology, of human relationships, all you know, all the information that's been channeled to me. And if you cooperate with me, you're going to find out a lot about your life that you didn't know. If you're not going to cooperate, you're going to hook my ego. Once my ego is hooked because you're testing me, the level of the reading is going to go down. And sometimes we need a piece of information that opens a vortex. So you know, if you're just expecting the psychic to tell you everything, and you're going to find out that you're not getting the reading quality that you deserve. And again, some I understand sometimes why people will test this. It's not, we don't have degrees in this. We don't have licensing. So of course you don't want to be with a charlatan, but if you've researched and you've Googled and you see there's nothing bad about a psychic or someone's recommended you, then cooperate with them in the way that they need. Do you know what I mean? And it's just really what always makes me probably at least once a month see say how much longer can I do this particular job? It's I don't want to play the guessing game. I can't be auditioned every day. I'm too old for that at this point. Right. I feel like every day, 25 years of doing this, please don't come here and audition me. Right, exactly. Okay? Because I'm reading way more people than I want to read. I could retire. So... At this point, sometimes I say, I don't know how long I could be 
doing a job in which I have to be tested every single day. Yeah, that's not, and it's not that's healthy. Exhausting. Right. It's, it's, not, not he- it's not healthy for me psychologically. No, not at because all. Because I go into my job with anxiety saying, oh my God, I haven't read this person before. Are they going to play, you know, the guess who's dead game? Are they going to play this? Are they going to hide who they are? are they-? So all of a sudden that's going to make my job stressful and hard. Right. And you want so, to keep it as genuine as possible. You want to, you want to be true to yourself. And obviously part of what you're doing and, and, and the amount of people that you've been helping, it's, it, it speaks to, you know, obviously your character and who you are and which kind of transitions to uh, chapter four, which I, I, the first part of this chapter, I really enjoy because I think when we first met, we talked a lot about this uh, during my initial readings. And that was like the, uh, the rungs on the ladder in the in the on, in the afterlife and on the other side and and when souls transition to the other side they go to that rung um, where spirits kind of they don't necessarily stay there forever they don't live there forever but they kind of right. hang out there and you know I I'd love for you to speak more about um, those rungs because I think that it's important because we it it also then goes into um, part of what we've also talked about in, in previous episodes which is our life review. And, and I right. think it's, that it's, that's it, important. It's very important. Now, I ca- call it the ladder of realization. That's the term given to me. And how awake and aware we were during our lifetime determines where we go. Now, I don't know how many rungs there are. There could be a million. There could be five million. There could be 500. I don't know. And, you know, it's if you're an alcoholic... Say there are different levels of alcoholism. You could have been a functional alcoholic. You could have been a mean alcoholic. You could have been a binge alcoholic. You could have been an alcoholic when you're younger, but then clean when you're older. Depending upon what kind of an alcoholic you were will determine what rung you go on the other side. So when I do readings, I expect to see what rung a person is coming from. Okay, so if you come from a high rung because you've done a lot of good deeds, Uh, love-based work, you've been a kind person, you kind of want to show me the rung you came out of. It's like running home from school with a good report card. Right. Now, some people will just appear in front. And now, if they show me what rung they came out of, I know already that they were hardworking, they were good, they were kind. So I have a volume of information just given to me because I understand that rung. So I don't have to do a lot of talking with that soul. I know what rung they've come out of. Sometimes the soul will just pop and appear. Now, I know they can't be that bad because if they're on a really low rung, which people might call hell, everybody has their own terms for things, they, those people will never be allowed to just appear here. They have, they have spirit guards surrounding them. Right. So that tells me these people are not good. They could manifest, they could do something scary, they could do something awful, but they have guards around them. And usually they're only allowed to say, I'm sorry. Okay, no other words. So I know they're really bad. I don't know how bad, perhaps. I mean, I don't know if they were pedophiles, murderers, whatever, at that point. Right. But if they just pop and appear, maybe they were a functional alcoholic. Maybe they were mean. Okay, I don't know what they were, but I know they weren't good. Okay, or could have done lived. So I have to tell them, and I usually word it, you son of a bitch, go back to the rung you came from and show me where you came because I don't know how bad you are. And then they'll come back and I could see maybe they were a mean alcoholic. And then all of a sudden I get a lot of information. So I do need them to follow the protocol as given to me. Now, this is my protocol. Every psychic reads differently. Everyone's trained differently, but that's mine. I learned something since I wrote the book, and it's not in the book. So I think this is interesting because I learned something every day. So this is a hot take. This is a hot this take is for a our hot listeners take just out the, there. Just the last two weeks. Okay? <laughs> wow, I wish okay. it was I wish it were in the book. This is great. Now, now you know, we have the same spirit guides from one lifetime to the next. Now, we have angels up there angels were never human that's a spiritual army that protects us on earth and in spirit then there are spirit guides who watch us over while we're living on earth and there's some guides whose job and they've never walked the earth they're just our guides when we're in spirit 
And what's happening, those guides are getting really angry. And I ha- did a reading recently for someone. And I said, I, I said to her, I've never seen this before about someone's, uh, you know, relative they want to speak to. And we had already ascertained her father was not a great guy. Okay. Mm. And I said, he is not cooperating with his life review, which means he keeps si- seeing the verbatim Akashic records of what happened. And he keeps saying, that's not what happened. I don't remember that. Uh-uh, I didn't do that. And, you know, the spirit guides that have been with him lifetime after lifetime just keep saying, okay, Anne, okay. And they told me, the spirit guides told me to tell her father, we're going to kick your ass back to earth really soon. Because if you continue to not cooperate with your life review, you've been up here for two years. You're not going to stay 50 years up here doing nothing, learning nothing, wasting our time. We're sick of you. We're going to kick your ass back to earth. But boy, you're going to have a hard lifetime. Wow. Boy, And they showed him the kind of obstacles he would have to overcome, the kind of things he would be given. And he was terrified. And they said, we will kick you back to earth in less than a year if you don't start cooperating. And he was terrified because they said he's wasting our time. So if he's not going to learn up here in spirit, when you don't have a body, you don't have illness, you don't have pain, you have to worry about money, you don't have to, you're not going to cooperate up here. Wait till you go down to earth. What a whammy of a lifetime you're going to have. It's interesting so because... he just said he'll cooperate. Yeah. I, I mean, because it almost sounds like hell on earth. Like it's basically oh, yeah. like what they're, what they're explaining to him, which I think part of what you wrote on him... Um, in one of these uh, part of this part of this chapter is like, you know, is there a hell? And I think a lot of people like, you know, even in jest, like if they're saying something, they may say, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to hell for that. Like they're, they're always like these connotations that um, hell is this, you know, very, very bad spot. But, you know, and I think that, you know, part of your explanation of the ladders of realization is that it's it's sort of like a rung on that ladder. Um, and whether, like you had said, is there one million, five million? We don't know how many rungs are on there, but there are pretty bad spots, pretty bad rungs for alcoholics, pretty bad rungs for you know child abusers or um, domestic violence abusers. Like all of these rungs are associated with these different types of behaviors. Exactly, and when we when I just discussed that part about um, going to kick his ass back to earth. The time on my computer was one eleven, mm. which I found interesting that that was just brought up at that time. So this, I learned something every day. I did not know that. I did not know that they, and, and they said to me, no, no, this is relatively new. That's why you didn't know it. We used to keep people up a minimum of 10 years to see if they would learn anything 20 now, two years, three years tops, they're going to start all over again because they're wasting our time. We want to speed up their evolution. Sure. So if they stay up 80 years, that means, you know, it's a long time and they're still going to come down and do the same mistakes. So let's speed it down in three years. I don't think they're going to have a long lifetime, by the way. I think right. they may have, you know, they may yank them up at 24, 25, usually somewhere around 25 because that's when brain chemistry is solid. If you're still going to make the same mistakes you made in your last lifetime, they'll probably yank them up and start them over again. Give them two or three years up and start it over again. So we're speeding this person's evolution up. So that is something that's very interesting to hear. They're trying to speed up the evolution of humankind. And what's been channeled to me is because they fear another world war. And so if we don't start getting these toxic people to learn sooner... Then later, you know, 2,000, 1,000 years from now, who knows what will happen on the earth. So it's for the survival of humankind that they're doing this. Right. And I know that we have talked about in previous episodes, too, you know, when we when there's people that have not lev- lev- led um, the most desirable uh, and, you know, I guess, um, I guess you could say, like, you know, lives that have been, you know, kind to other people or have been uh, their genuine self as far as, you know, treating people with, with respect, you know, they, they tend to, on their way out, they tend to suffer, you know, here on earth right. to kind of repent, to get to that higher level or rung of realization. And I think that, 
you know, we see that with people that have maybe been, you know, well, fun, functional alcoholics or people that are um, just, you know, nasty individuals that they sort of like at towards the end, we start to see a shift. And part of what you wrote um, in this chapter as well is they're, you know, buying a better seat on the other side. Like how do, how do they almost, you know, start to repent as before they even get to their, their life review on the other side? Like how do they now start to, you know, I guess, justify a higher rung prior to them crossing over. And I think that's something that you addressed in this part of the uh, the book as well. And I think it's interesting you brought that up because it could be the last month of your life. You could burn off a lot of karma. I mean, sometimes just being someone being paid to take care of you burns off karma. You're putting food on the table of the aide or the nursing home or the staff. And so you literally buy a better seat, Okay. Whether you cooperate totally with that, say you're in a nursing home for a year or two, it, it buys you a better seat. There's a point where you can't, it does, you can't buy much higher. But if you're not being nice to the staff, then you're incurring negative karma and they'll yank you up before you start catching up more negative karma. Right. But it's just even, I tell people, learn on this side. Even at the last you know month of your life, if you somehow say you're sorry, you you know, it, it won't buy you a huge higher realm, but it's maybe three or four notches higher, which every notch higher seems to be less less sitting there, you know, 12 hours a day doing a life review. For some people, it's three hours. For some people, it's 10 hours. You have more privileges, more privileges to visit down on earth. So it's just learning something even at the last hours of your death, saying you're sorry, sometimes leaving an inheritance, if you've made someone's life hell and you leave them an inheritance, that money may make them have to stress out less or leave a job they hate and get and follow their passion or pay off a home that's, or just put, educate their children. Even just leaving money to someone you've hurt can buy a better seat. Again, we're not talking going a hundred realms up higher or rungs up higher. We're not talking about that, but right. it's yes. Even at the hour of your death, you can gain some good karma. And that's an interesting thing to, to learn because we don't know that. You know, lots of times we just think, well, I've been screwing up. And an overwhelming majority of people, when they get 50 and over, hit a reset button. They mm. don't want to learn anything. They're just going to do whatever they want till they die. Even if it's 40 years, they're going to just party, learn nothing, make people's life hell, live... Just do what they want because yeah, they think I've, I've witnessed you see that. that. Yeah. You've noticed it's, that. And it's very frustrating too, because it's almost like, you know what the right choice is. You know what the right answers are, but you're refusing to do that because you're just, you're just unwilling to, to make that change. Or like you had said, you're unwilling to, to learn. Um, so I think that that, that is something that is, um, it's extremely frustrating. And actually going back to what you mentioned, uh, I, I, for the past, I would say six to eight months, I've been constantly seeing the time one eleven, eleven eleven. Like it repeats all the time. I think I even mentioned that to you in one of my texts to you. Uh, so it was funny that you just mentioned that now because I, I, it's been it's been running running constant for the for the past uh, you know number of months. So it's interesting. And also, I'll tell you something funny. When I was making my breakfast and I put the broiler on for the omelet, I've lived here like twelve years. I've never noticed that it just says H-I for high on the broiler. Okay, so like high. And then it was 11-11. So it said high 11-11 was the time that I was putting it in the oven. So wow. I thought it was just funny living here all these years. I didn't notice that it said high. Okay. Right, right, right. So it was just hit me like, okay, today's a good day to be doing this podcast. And it, and it again... If you think that you're going to coast and do nothing for the rest of your life, um, bad karma, because when you go to the other side, you're going to answer for that. Do you know what I mean? It's like we're expected to learn and grow and make amends every day of our life. We're supposed to learn something even at the last hours of our death. Probably that death is beautiful, that we're going to see the dead coming to us and that this is a beautiful transition, but we're expected to learn right. and make amends and not making the same mistakes over and over again. 
you know, but it just seems to be something I'm seeing more and more of people just saying, I don't care. I don't care. You know, I'll just do what I want and I'll right. answer to God later on. Yeah. But it's, um, again, the spirits lose intolerance with this. So I'm not sure what they're going to be doing with it. Maybe, maybe if people think they're going to do nothing until the rest of life, maybe they'll yank us up faster than people, right. you know, maybe yeah. they won't let us live to 90. Yeah, maybe they'll say, I, okay, if you're going to learn nothing until 55, maybe you're out of here at 55. Right. And I, you know, and I try to do my best. Like, uh, you know, I, I, I always try to do, I really do try to, to make myself a little bit better each day, you know, and, and we, we as a family, you know, try to do the same thing. And, uh, most recently, um, uh, I've taken on a work uh, with a nonprofit agency that, that helps, uh, women and children who are victims of, uh, domestic abuse and violence. And it's something that has been a little eye opening to me. And, you know, just the, uh, the, the level of, uh, people that are affected by this when you, when you get the stats from the the police department and they talk about how on Saturdays and Sundays the amount of calls that they have to respond to uh, is just it's it's just absolutely out of control um, so it's it's something that you know we, we 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 try you know we try to do our our best and and try to make ourselves a little bit better um, and as we move on through this book I I do I I always found this to be a fascinating aspect of of this this particular area of study, which was, you know, predicting the exact day somebody would pass, um, or do we all have a due date to die? So I, I can, I remember very vividly, I, we, I did not, uh, my, my dad would have celebrated his 91st birthday, uh, two days ago on June 3rd. So it was appropriate, um, to kind of bring it up now as we go through this, this, uh, this book, you know, so I, and, and I remember like my dad was, he, he, I'll never forget. He said when he went to the doctor the first time we thought uh, something was wrong when he had cancer, and the doctor said, "When was the last time you had a physical?" And he said, "In 1954, uh, when I was discharged from the military." And he wow. never ever went to the doctor because he always knew his body so well. So it was his vanity that ended up kind of almost uh, leading to his demise. Uh, but it was so interesting. Uh, because I would have bet everything that I had in my bank account, my house, I would have bet everything he would have lived to 100 years old because he was so healthy. Even when he went for his exam, they were like, oh, you you, you have the skin texture of a 30-year-old and you're 72 years old. Like, I don't, this is unbelievable. We don't understand. So, like, there were so many different things that you, you couldn't have possibly predicted that this would have happened. Uh, but, you know, inevitably, uh, he, he would pass at the age of, of 77, which was, for him, um, young, just super, super young. So fast forward, uh, when my mother-in-law was, was passing away, um, or my sister-in-law who was living at a state, um, was, we were trying to keep her in the loop as far as what was happening with my mother-in-law. And I remember like telling her, well, you have about a month, you have about three weeks, two weeks. Okay. It's time for you to come up. Like she only has this, this amount of time. So it was almost coming to the point where I was able to predict the day, um, in that particular instance. Um, and I didn't have that unfortunately with, with my father because after he passes, when I started becoming a little bit more intuitive, uh, but it comes to this point of the book where I, I do find it very interesting considering, you know, my grandfather passed away the morning of nine 11 and that had significant ramifications for my brother who survived the towers collapsing because he didn't go to work that day. Um, so there's that. Then most recently you have the horrific shooting in Buffalo, uh, that happened. And then just after that, you had the school shooting in Texas. So, you know, when we talk about having all of these, uh, when we talk about having due dates to die, it's tough for people to wrap their heads around. How could these small children have had that? That was their due date. And I think you, you addressed it in the book, but I'd love you to, you know, maybe speak a little bit more okay, about it. it. That probably, that was not their due date. Right. That's the random acts of karma that we talk about. Even God doesn't know what's going to happen because of free will. Now, with that shooter, say, in Uvalde, Texas, it could have been stopped in many, you know, a couple of times. Does an 18-year-old, should he buy a, 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 an automatic weapon, okay? Should he buy one of those? Okay, two, he shot his grandmother right there. Maybe, you know, had she called 9-11. He was also shooting people in a building already, like, before he walked in. So why wasn't he stopped? Okay, there was a police car that drove right by him. I mean, there was a lot of times this, you know, then the the door was op left open if that door had been closed. 
Um, had people gone in sooner, I mean, I call it, the, you know, maybe the bystander effect, 19 police standing outside, 19 kill- children gone. Like, there was a lot of, t- and, you know, even, you know, did those children need to die? How many of them had non-threatening uh, wounds to maybe an arm that were left to bleed out because they didn't send in anyone to save them for 48 minutes? So right. there's a lot of things that went to play that is free will. So not everyone has a due date to die. You spoke of 9-11. 3,000 people should not have died that day. You know, maybe a handful of would have died within a year or two of that. Sometimes it is random acts of karma. 9-11, hundreds of people could have stopped that. Somewhere along the line, someone could have stopped it. It's when no one does what they should do. Humans have to stop some stuff. Right. God can't stop things. It's the human not stopping things soon enough, doing things that alters people's due date to die. Also, our own bad habits. If you're smoking three packs of cigarettes a day, you might truncate your life by 20 years or more. Because if you're driving drunk 80 miles an hour on a rainy night, you probably truncated your life. So there isn't always an exact due date. If there is then that can't be stopped, usually. It may not be exact way you're going to die. If a person's supposed to die a certain date, maybe God will use your death. Have you die from a defective product? You know, a bad doctor, somebody making a mistake that will prevent other people from not dying that way. So that God could use your death that way. Not always the method of your death would be determined until then. Okay, so... That's a very interesting a lot of perspective. There's a lot of things that alter what's going to happen, okay? If it is close to your due date to die, you really can't buy much time. Maybe a year or two if you're a young mother that's asking God, I want to see my child through graduation of high school. So a woman with cancer might eke out another year that is beyond her due date to die because that's being honored. Right. So if we have a mission to do and we haven't answered it, maybe they'll give us a little more time. So... Very rarely is it exact moment in time. Interesting. Yeah. You know, some people say when it's my time, it's my time. That's a way of justifying bad behaviors. That makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, really your good habits, you know, because our body's a holy temple, can determine, you know, us living a longer time. You know, you, maybe if your father had gotten a physical eight years earlier, who knows, maybe they would have caught something. Um, so that might be something that, you know, we have to determine. Is our life going to, what we're doing going to influence when we're going to die or not? And that's um, and, and that's a very, you know, it's it's a very interesting perspective. And I think that it makes a lot of sense because, you know, we have, we have people that are, you know, constantly in a situation where they're abusing their bodies, uh, where they're not doing the right thing, um, physically, even emotionally, uh, mentally, like they're not taking care of themselves, uh, and, and making themselves a priority when it comes to their psychological wellness. And I think that that plays into a lot of these issues that are happening. Like we had mentioned in Buffalo and in Texas, you know, there's there's cases where these people have been there's there should have been red flags years prior to what went down so and they're just they just fell through the cracks and it's one of those things that is it's very it's very very sad um but in fact it's it's something that we we are we have to get better at that's for sure and you know that kind of transitions us into our next chapter which is you know how and why spirits communicate with us and and i think that a lot of the time you know people are, are you know they come to to psychics they come to intuitives mediums who they're looking for answers they're looking you know a lot of them you know start off with you know are, are, is my loved one okay are they okay um they they seek for that you know that answer and then they look for you know sometimes other other forms of guidance and and looking for them to maybe justify actions or whether or not they did the right thing prior to those individuals passing uh, but a lot of people you know they they are 
you know, sometimes they get upset. I don't know with my own family members, like, because I can do what I can do. I have a different relationship with my father and my past loved ones. So I'm able to communicate differently, you know, but some people are so upset with the fact that um, they feel that they don't get, they, they're unable to communicate with people that have passed or they don't get messages. And, you know, this part of the, the book was very interesting to me. Uh, so, you know, looking at, you know, you know, why, how do they, and why do they, I mean, I, I can kind of answer that answer. I can answer that question on my own, but for people that don't get those messages or, or unsure, you know, how would you explain that to them? Well, first of all, they're always trying to communicate to us. The simplest way is communication 101 might be making us smell one of their scents. That just means they press the part of our brain and they have to be down on earth with their energy body. They can't do that in spirit. Part of our brain that remembers the scent of their cologne or their perfume. Okay, that's easy. Sending a cardinal or a butterfly means they're down on earth and they're chasing that cardinal or butterfly from three blocks away and bringing it over to us. It's kind of like running a spiritual marathon. If you don't see these signs, they're going to stop. It's not easy. Uh, making a feather float. Uh, showing us a coin that we find in an odd place. They might have been down on earth and moved it from under a sofa and showed it to us. But those are really kind of elementary, easy, easy ways of communicating. Okay, it's, it's just, it, you know, it's not the main way that they communicate. The main way they do is telepathy, a thought form. Sure. Not all of our thoughts are our own. Sometimes you might just be thinking of your dad today out of the blue. That might not have been you thinking about him. That might have been him pressing that part of your brain and, and putting a thought in your head to remember that instance. Now, why is it that particular memory? Maybe he just wants to make you laugh. Maybe he's warning you. Right. He was talking about his health issue. He might be warning you, you have right. a health issue. Too. So we have to pay attention to the thoughts that seem to be random. Why that thought? Why now? So if you keep a journal of random thoughts... After a while, you'll be able to figure out, was that my thought? Hmm, look, it showed this and I didn't catch that. Was it their thoughts? So mainly learning how to communicate is through thought forms, telepathy. And one of the things that you wrote uh, in the book, too, is one of, the, one of the, um, the subtopics was what the dead want us to know. So I think you kind of just kind of hit that as well. Like sometimes they're, they're tapping into, you know, uh, a sense, you know, sense memory or they want you to you know, laugh, or they're, like you said, they're trying to warn us. So, you know, are there other aspects to them communicating with us in which they want us to want, want us to know things that we may not be able to pick up or may not realize? And remember, our gut is not our own thoughts. That is dead people. That is spirit guides, angels, God, your dead relatives, telling you that person's not good or or this health issue is something you need to take care of. Or... This is a health issue that, you know, you can, you know, you have it addressed, but it's not, it's not going to turn out to be anything to reassure us. Do you know what I mean? So right. uh, they'll help us with any decision that we need to make. So it's just being more aware. And if, you know, a lot of times people think every thought's their own, everything, you know, anyone who's a writer like I am, I know I couldn't have come up with a lot of stuff myself. Then I'm being guided. I'm having all kinds of spirit guides watching over me, helping me, guiding me to the right book to read. So be more attuned that if you have any issue, ask spirit to help you. And it doesn't have to just be your dead relatives. If you're a musician, it could be Jimi Hendrix guiding you. It could be Beethoven. You know, they don't usually, you know, they're not really, they don't supposedly have their ego and they don't always want us to know who's guiding us. But if we really are curious, they will then, give us a piece of information that makes it unmistakable who you're guiding and who's guiding you and watching over you. Yeah. So no matter what you're doing, if you're building something, if you're having trouble, you know, how to screw something in, you know, they'll send a carpenter to help you to figure out you got the wrong screwdriver. Do you know what I mean? Look, so anything we're doing, any task we're doing, ask spirit that will send the right guy to help. It's interesting because a lot of, uh, over the past six months, I've been doing a lot of speeches and a lot of what I've, I generally, when I write something, I edit it maybe like, I don't know, six, seven, sometimes 10 times before I actually perform it. But most recently, like I, 
And it wasn't out of like, you know, delaying. It was just, I would need something and then I would have to sit down and do it. And when I would sit down and do it, it would almost come to me so fast. And there would be very little editing that I would have to do. And I really tried hard to just let it flow. So, and I, and I can really say that it, I feel like some of those words were not my own. Like they were being, you know, sent to me because it exactly. was sometimes it was so clear that I, I, not that I was like, oh, what a great speech. It wasn't like that. It was like, well, this, this really sounds like it's coming from a different place, you know, within me. And I, it sounds a little hokey to say it out loud, but I, I really truly believe that that's what was going on. Well, you can tell even when you're hearing someone do a speech or something, a politician or anyone, you can almost tell when it's being divinely guided, you hear something that resonates deep. And you'll right. say, oh, boy, they got a little guidance with that. So it's, again, you know, getting outside of your own ego. Every thought you're having isn't your own. Right. Okay? No, it doesn't true. always come from within you. You know, sometimes when, like, we have these aha moments, these epiphanies, they may be coming from everything we've been thinking about, reading, studying, and then Spirit helps gives us that aha moment. So, you know... Some people hate to think everything they create isn't created by them. But, you know, the word genius comes from the word genie, which means spirit guide. Mm. So genius is coming from your combination of hard work and maybe spirit guides. That's interesting. Yeah, and I, and I do believe, too, like, you know, a lot of these messages that we get, a lot of the, the reason why, um, you know, dead people, so to speak, are trying to communicate with us is I think a lot of it comes for, with closure as well. I remember when my, my father first passed, like one of the, I was seeing him a lot. Like I, I had a lot of those visions and a lot of dreams and a lot of communication with him. And one of the first things that I decided to do was to, um, to do a scholarship in his name, a memorial scholarship. And, you know, I've been doing it for quite a number of years now. And um, so it's, it's one of those things that I felt like it was, it helped not only provide with some of the grieving process, but it, it also gave me a little closure. And I think a lot of those, even some of my family members who haven't really come to grips with, you know, the death of close ones. And, you know, it, it's, uh, it's something that I feel that they, they do from the other side, like they're trying to provide that closure. And, and you mentioned it in here as well. Always, always, they want to give us closure. Death ends a life, not a relationship. If we need answers, they'll give them. If we need closure, we can get it. And again, it's not, people are getting much more guidance than they realize. They just think it's their own thoughts. <laughs> right. It's, right. It's not. It's recognizing where it came from. Right. And I think that that's something, again, um, you know, people do have to, to recognize that, you know, and, and I, I think people, as they get, they're a little bit more uh, understanding of, of their intuition and understanding of their relationship with uh, those that have passed, I think they start to, you know, they're able to to communicate with with those people a little bit better. They're also able to kind of come to an understanding uh, with with what they're actually seeing and hearing and 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 channeling as well. So, um, uh, you know, one of the things that and that kind of transitions too into our into chapter six, which you know, a lot of what you do in this book, which I love, is the is the questions for self analysis that you do at the end. You do like the the little hints at the end of each of these sections and. One of the things that you give is is like you're you're almost this is pr pretty much what this is is it is a handbook and and we had mentioned this in the last episode that you're you're providing ways that people can hone into their psychic abilities, um, hone into their levels of in, you know in, intuitiveness and obviously do the things that were or create the situations what we're talking about like being able to connect or being able to understand that messages are coming through or you're writing speeches you know based on not only your own intellect but from the guidance of those that have passed so uh this this part of the of the book was really fascinating because a lot of what i tried to do as i was reading this was to go through these these motions and um we talked about a lot of uh, last last time we talked about synchronicity and a lot of what was going on with that, which was very interesting to me. But this was part of what I, I did as well. And I think that, you know, trying to awaken your your psychic abilities, big part of this being, um, you know, mindfulness, meditation, getting into a, uh, a meditative state in order to practice these gu these these guidance procedures, I think is. Uh, is huge. And I think really people that are interested in doing this should really focus in on chapter six, because I think that that's going to provide them with 
uh, with ways in order to kind of connect with with that side and what they're looking to try to bring out of themselves. And it's funny because people will tell me when they've read the book that they're getting a lot of guidance or they're getting messages like heavy duty after they read a particular passage in the book and they'll go, you know, an hour later it happened. The universe just wants you to know that you're divinely timed. You're supposed to be reading this. You're supposed to be getting the messages. So if nothing else, it's supposed to be a book that does open up your own psychic abilities. Right. And and one of the things that you, you know, it's, the way you write is very truthful and very honest, which I love because it's, you know, for those that don't know you, um, when you read this, you really get a chance to know who you are and, and, and you're, you're very genuine and you're, like I said, very honest. So, you know, people that are looking to awaken their, their abilities, I think this is, again, this is an important part of, of the process. Uh, but you even provide like, you know, a, a beware, like, you know, by doing this, <laughs> you know, you're opening up, uh, you know, a vortex, you know, Pandora's box, which... I remember my my second phone call to you many many years ago was was just that. I remember calling and leaving a message and saying, "I don't know what just happened, but Pandora's box just opened and things were going a little nuts for me over here." And I remember you calling me back and we had this really amazing conversation. Uh and so it, it's interesting people do need to be very much aware of it because I I was always um aware of it to a certain level where I appreciated it. So I was never scared, but I could see uh, how this could frighten somebody if they're going through this and wanting to learn more about it. And then all of a sudden something happens, it could frighten them. And then that they could then turn it off and not want any part of it, which I, my mother was that way. She had that ability as a young child and it frightened her. So she wanted nothing to do with it. Um, So it's interesting when I read this part of it, uh, that, you, you kind of give out that disclaimer. Right. Because if you, you know, you say you want it and then you get scared, the universe will shut it off if you're scared. They, that you have more control over it. In other words, just your fear, the universe will say, okay, we're backing off. Right. If you say, okay, more. And again, you could say, I don't want to see evil. You could tell the universe what you want and they'll kind of work with what you're comfortable with. You know, once you give into it fully, then you know, you're usually been doing it five, 10 years, you're ready for whatever is going to happen at that point. Right. So they can go more full force at you. Okay? Uh, and yeah. you'll continue to learn and grow. Um, and some people who are just so say, I don't see any signs, I don't see any, you know, it's closed. If they're that closed, they're not going to see a sign if it hits them in the head. Right. They'll just say, Oh, that was just a coincidence. That was a so some people even getting very clear signs and messages are going to say, no, that's not what it is. So think again, some people you can awaken. Other people, you know, if they want to be awoken, they will. And again, if you don't want to be awoken, then don't, don't open the vortex to readings. Don't open it to reading about it. Because you are then saying, you're giving a mixed message to the universe. You are saying you want it if you're open to it. So it's it's kind of like mixed messages the universe will take as you really do want to learn. Right. Know? And and again, and those people that generally are are involved in some type of practice where they're they're looking to become a little bit more intuitive or, you know, learning about this, they're generally in a practice of mindfulness or meditation. So one of the best things that you mentioned here too is is to use meditation to to kind of keep you protected. Um and you even mentioned like you don't have to do any type of elaborate ritual uh, or extended meditation, but all you need to do is take deep breaths, visualize that you are breathing in a beautiful ball of your energy, and this energy is brilliant like the sun. It's a golden, it's golden with a white aura surrounding it. So these things are these are the practices that we, you talk about in here, and um, and you speak about you know a, a lot of those uh, those ways of you know sort of protect, not only protecting yourself but making people aware of what they could experience and how they could experience it which I think is important for those that And that if are, you remember I say you know I I'm not a fan of using drugs to open up this. I know right now it's really popular to use mushrooms and use all of that now it's becoming really popular really? in spiritual worlds. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, to microdose psilocybin. Um wow. It's really it's really becoming like you know I grew up in the tail end of the hippie era. It's all that again. But I'm not a fan of you using drugs to open this at all. 
I would never okay, have even that's thought when about you it. open a board that's when you open a, and it's really popular Google wow. it oh my gosh and you know I have a lot of clients using psilocybin and drugs to open up the spiritual vortex um, and I think that's when you can open up I don't maybe darker energies because you, you know you're not in control of your mind then right now that's right? that's bizarre okay I bet I'm surprised you haven't heard about it. I mean, I, yeah. I have thousands of clients, so I know a lot more about stuff I don't want to know. And <laughs> and I'm just always keep stressing to them. Not I'm stressing to them. I'm not a fan of using any kind of drugs to open up, you know, the vortex. Wow, that's all. that's very interesting. I'm glad that came up too because I think if you know, for those that are listening to this, I think they need to be very well aware of it uh, because I I haven't I haven't done a ton of uh, researching, uh, you know, on that. Lately, uh, my research has been elsewhere for the past six months, but um, that is something that is I'm very glad came up because I think that that's a message that needs to be loud and clear to people because that that is something that I I've never been uh, one to. Uh, to engage in those types of behaviors. I just, I, I do believe that, you know, my body is my temple and I, I take very good care. I try to take very good care of my body. So I, I can't even imagine of doing something like that, but I could see how people would, would try to, uh, to engage in those types of behaviors to, to access that side, which that to me would, in my personal opinion, that would only access dark energy. Like, I don't feel like That's that would, say. I yeah. just, just, it just, it just is not good. Right. Okay, so yeah. you know, and we'll keep it at I that. Just, I mean, I I have a lot of clients doing it, and right. I you know I just say be careful what you're opening. Right. Just be careful the vortex you're opening. It may seem spiritual. Is this pseudo spirituality? Mm. You know what I mean? Is it? You know, see, you know, this is a capitalist culture. They want your money, so they'll give you. You know, you know, you're spending your money on this. Maybe that's what the universe wants you to do, but just be careful. Interesting, and you know, and speaking of all of your clients, uh, the the book ends on chapter eight with um, your clients, a handful of your clients sharing their stories uh, and their messages from the other side, which uh, you obviously were, um, you know, you wanted these these particular people, you included them in, in your book, which was amazing. And I, I honestly, I, there were and so I many- And I didn't screen anybody. Anyone who sent in got in the book. Yeah, which is awesome. Okay. Because- I didn't, not inc- I didn't include, not include someone. I just gave it out to all of my clients, anyone who wants to be included. Right. Send something. Which is awesome. And these are the people that sent. Right. And I read through all of them and I, I really couldn't even pick a favorite because I think everybody's story is amazing because it's their story, right? You know, there's really nothing, you know, you can't pick a preference of somebody's story because it's like, you know, you know, as a, as I'm reading it. But the question I do have for you is out of these stories and and part of these stories, there's obviously relationships that come along with them. So I would be curious to know from you. Out of out of all of these stories, you know which which one impacted you to a point where you either learned something from them, or you know it, it opened up something different for you, or a new perspective. Uh, you know I, I wouldn't wouldn't ask you to pick your favorite story because I, I that's so that's so arbitrary uh, that it would be tough to do that. But there there has to be um, at one point where there was like a, a, a massive learning experience by one of them. Or from one of them. So I'd be curious to know if there was anything that stood out to you. I would say probably Victoria from Ecuador. First of all, she's from Ecuador. Right. She's not from the United States. Um, She is in the United States now. And she was a young woman who stumbled across why good people can't leave bad relationships. Okay, she stumbled across it. Okay. And she was in a toxic relationship at the time. And she couldn't find her way out of it. And in reading that book, it helped her to see patterns. It helped her to see how she was hooked on this person, addicted to her. And um, even though she was in uh, a relationship with a woman, she was not really aware that she was perhaps a lesbian. She had, she had so, it's so against her culture and her family that it took me, you know, years of doing readings with her to come to the awareness that she probably did prefer women, and that was she was going to have to be able to open that up to her family. And it was watching her, you know, after she uh, read Good People, then she read Grant Me a Higher Love, and because she has a master's degree, and a lot of my clients are very, you know, they're very all my clients are extremely intelligent. Uh, a lot of them are very educated, and she did her love work assignments and grant me a higher love like she was doing her her master's degree you know she really did them 
And as she learned lessons, she would always say, I learned this, I learned that. And it would help me to realize these, yay, these books are helping help someone to leave a toxic relationship. And I always laugh because I think why good people can't leave bad relationships should have been the book that came first. Mm, But it didn't, it came second. But she read that one first, then she read Grant Me a Higher Love. And I've watched her grow as a human being. And all of her lessons that she's learned, and she learned to talk to her grandmother who died before she was born, who picked her soul as a gift for her family. She's working on her family relationships. So I think she's affected me most because I love that it's through those my books that she's learning. And now she's read Confessions of Reluctant Law and Psychic and her psychic abilities opening up. So I just found her to be the one that the most interesting of all of them for me. I love that, you know, and she she even right, you know, mentions that she she wanted to write this all down because she felt that she learned what what you taught her was that things that matter in life do not have a price tag, uh, and she started. I guess that's that was really her her sense of of realization. And she um, traveled to see my play Angels, Mice and Men. She traveled to New York. Wow, from Florida. So I actually got to meet her in person, and she was in my home, and it's just she was just a person who stumbled across me you know you know she stumbled across it on the internet and then she's been a client for many years now so I found her you know and she wrote this out and delivered to me on my birthday wow so she gave a little birthday gift so that's the kind of person so thoughtful so kind and you know she's a person who I hope you know she's going to go on to have a wonderful life and right now is in New York City meeting with a soulmate. So I'm wishing her well on that. So that's awesome. You know, it's interesting, you know, all of my clients, you know, I love very much, but I just found her because she's young and at the beginning of her life. Sure. Like learn these lessons now. How much is your life going to be better to learn them in your 20s, these lessons? Right. Not in your 50s, not in your 60s. Right. And and she makes mention of that. And I think that that's, that's kind of important. And obviously she also says if, you know, that she's eternally grateful for obviously you and that she says, and I would have to agree that the world is a better place with Cindy in it. And, and I, and I totally agree with that, that sentiment and, um, and all the things that you do, uh, for, for everybody. And, you know, for all, obviously our listeners and just, just on the daily with all the clients that you have and all the time that you take, not only with your clients, but when you're not with them and answering emails and, you know, responding to people. And I think that that's, that's what um, that's what makes this so important is that your investment in your clients and and these people and I think that that's that needs to be mentioned and it needs to be highlighted and appreciated. So you know and I and I and I, I truly thank you for everything that you do for for us, um, my family, and and obviously for you know everybody out there and our listeners. So you know I'm I'm eternally grateful. And remember, you're young. You're my you're the people that are young that I want. Learn these lessons now when you're young, just so that life is a lot easier. If you learn them when you're 50 or 60, you've already made so many mistakes. Sure. That And haven't listened to guidance and haven't seen all the, all the time spirit is reaching out to help you. Right. So just recognizing that we're not alone on this planet. We have so many guides. Even when you feel like you're at your worst and there's nobody there, there's always spirit there guiding you and helping you and there's a lot of things in the book i mentioned that i probably wouldn't have mentioned if i were younger i would have been uncomfortable at this stage in my life i don't really care what people think but i would have never mentioned channeling jesus 25 years ago i would have thought i'm a schizophrenic too sure i mean so now i've mentioned it only because when i was writing it i would hear spirit saying really Cindy, you're going to take credit for all this knowledge you have as if you came about it all by yourself sure where were you being? Who was channeling you? Who was guiding you? And that's why as you get older, you get a little less afraid of judgment, I think. Mm. No, that's 100% true. That really is true. And, and, I, and I love that last thing that you said about, you know, no, if people think that they're alone, they're not. They do have spirit, you know, and I think that that's something that needs to resonate with people because, you know, sometimes, you know, people do feel alone. And, and I think that that's, that's where they have to. They have to sometimes go back to, they have to go back to spirit, go back to faith and, and hope that uh, that can see them through. So uh, any closing Thank statements? Thank you so much for reading the book so carefully. Oh, my pleasure. And guiding through it. I mean, I could see you've done your homework, you've read it. 
And, you know, I really appreciate the time you took for it, too, because it isn't me who would know even what to bring up out of the book. I wouldn't even know where to start. So yeah. when you, you know, I was like, oh, boy, I wouldn't have known. What should we talk about? I don't know. Well, no, I appreciate you that. Know? Yeah, it's, it's listen, it's, uh, it, it's like I said, it's, a, it's like a handbook, uh, you know, and it's something that is, it, it, it's outlined so easy and it makes it so easy to go over. And, you know, I really do encourage everybody to pick up a copy of Confessions of a Reluctant Long Island Psychic, which a memoir and a psychic seminar by Cindy Sanson Breath. And Cindy, once again, can you tell people how to get a copy of this book? They can go, go to my website, grantmeahigherlove.com. It's on the homepage. Or they could just Google it and it'll take you up to Amazon. It's also on Kindle and it's on Audible. So there's a couple of ways you can reach it. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today, Cindy. Um, much love. And I hope you have a great rest of the week. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. It's amazing. Oh, it's amazing. now